safety enthusiasts. This is Tim Ludwig from safetydoc.com. Good to have you here. Welcome to the Insights into Your Safety Culture podcast, which is simulcast as a blog on safetydoc.com. Join us at safety-doc.com for 30 years of research, stories, videos, books, and blogs, all to get your safety culture fix. Now let's get to it. It's not my car. Hey folks, I get asked to visit companies and diagnose why the behavioral safety program is like lost steam or never got off the ground to begin with. Inevitably, I find the whole program is run just by the safety department with a few anointed safety enthusiasts to do all the observations or perhaps a supervisor who have observation cards to now compete with on top of all the mounds of other paperwork they have to do. Employee involvement, unfortunately, is non-existent and it's creating an undesirable effect inside the operations. Hey, I got a story for you that I'll make this point. I was in a rush. The flight was an hour late arriving in Chicago and, and I had a 40 minute drive to get to a client that was an hour away. And, and still I had to pick up my rental car. So I was stressed out. I had, to, I had to get in this huge rental car company shuttle bus and it took me to the rental car company. I had to sit in line at the rental car company to get my rental papers. And then finally, with the rental papers in hand, I, I had to go out and find the car on the lot, put on my safety belt and head for the exit. After a number of turns, I, I finally drove up to a T intersection. The exit booth was right in front of me and beyond that was freedom. I eased into the right lane to yield and, and then to turn right toward the exit. But I had to stop because one of those huge rental car shuttle buses was right ahead of me and it was driving past and it had the right of way. So I had to wait for it. So while I was waiting for this huge bus to pass, another identical bus came right up beside me. And I mean right up beside my rental car, right next to that driver's window. I literally could have rolled down the window and pad the axle of the four foot diameter wheel of this thing. It was unnerving. I remember thinking to myself, I, I hope he sees me. But then I thought, he does this all the time. So the first bus passed and, and now the way was open to proceed, take a right, get to the exit, go on to freedom so I can get on my way. So I was taking my foot off the brake when I heard a low belching of the bus right next to me. Out of the side of my eye, I noticed that, that big wheel turning toward me and it started, it started moving. That the tire began crushing into the car I was in. It first destroyed the side mirror in an impressive explosion of glass. The tire's next destination was the body of the car and it started crushing just as easily. I honked, I honked, and I waved my hands. Hey, hey, at the, at the oblivious driver who I could see through the glass door panels. He looked at me with his eyes wide open and stopped the tire. To... Now, do you think I was pissed off? <laughs> no. It was not my car. Startled, yes. A bit shaken, yes. Probably a little wet. <laughs> but I wasn't in any real danger. The fact is, that was their car in their parking lot being crushed by their bus. <laughs> to be honest with you, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, how many times do you get to sit in a car slowly being crushed? It was kind of like being at Disney. I then looked at the despondent driver and thought, oh boy, this is going to suck for you. And then finally, I smiled at the realization that, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get an upgrade to some kind of luxury rental car for the inconvenience. And you know what? I got, I got a nice Mustang for that. So let's think about this for a while. When employees 
are not active participants in the safety program, involved in its design, ongoing implementation, or the evaluation of it in some way, well, frankly, it's not their car. When an employee gets hurt or disciplined, you often hear employees say, it was their equipment, involved in their process, being managed by their people, no we in sight. So, when a management-led safety program starts to derail through lack of budget, disappearing leadership support, or just plain complacency, you know, employees may think it's kind of cool. Yes, the same people the program was designed to help. Rumors fly. Observation cards get pencil whipped and become platform for their personal gripes. Jokes and ribbing will be heard. I told you so. Flavor of the month, what is it, strawberry? In the end, employees and supervisors and even leaders too may actually enjoy seeing it get crushed. Hey, this is Tim breaking into this podcast to tell you about my book, Dysfunctional Practices That Kill Your Safety Culture. A manager finds himself on top of a stepladder. A woman removes a guard to her machine. A worker is not wearing her safety glasses in the plant. A rustabout uses a wrong size clamp instead of retrieving the right tool. A supervisor teaches a new worker to take a shortcut. A mechanic climbs on top of the active machine to find the oil leak. Why do these folks do these things? Is it because they're stupid? We'll find out. Read or listen to the first chapter on safetydoc.com. Dysfunctional practices available now on Amazon and Lulu.com. And now, back to our podcast. Let's go back to the rental car lot. What if it was my car? I often wonder. And that bus started crushing the side of my car. Would I be pissed? It's hard tootin' I'd be. I often think about what I'd done if that were my car that day on that rental car lot and that bus pulled up that close to me. I, I doubt I would have simply assumed that the driver of the bus would have seen me. You know, I, I, I would have probably honked and, and tried to get his attention. Like, hey, am I going first? You, you got me? Okay. You know, we do those kind of actions to protect the things we value. I don't know if you've ever read The Art of War by Sun Tzu. He talked about the same principle in this epic book written over 2,000 years ago. Check it out, The Art of War. In it, he tells his readers that the way to defeat your enemy most effectively is not by force of arms. Instead, it is through inviting them to take part in your conquests. They will not destroy what they helped build. What if it was our car? Consider the pride of ownership an employee-driven safety program provides. First, let's note something important. This does not mean turning over your entire safety program to your employees. There's always a need for professional safety competencies and management coordination. You know, I own my car, but I didn't engineer it. Hell, I'm not that smart. I didn't build it. Not that resourceful. And frankly, I don't repair it. I'm not that skilled. But I did pick the make and model, along with the color and the accessories. I maintain it, and I choose how to use it. You know, same way, employees don't have to engineer and build and keep track of your safety systems. They just need to do things like, like name it, develop the content, such as the behaviors that go on observation cards, customize the process so it makes sense to them on the ground. You know, review the data and talk about the risks and the hazards and share the trends. 
and then, then have them suggest interventions to reduce these risks and hazards. Employees are the right people to involve in this way because they know firsthand where the hazards exist, where the at-risk behaviors occur, and where the attitude affects safe work practices. They know where all this is. Get them involved. Here's a case in point. Marathon Petroleum Company, uh, their Michigan Refining Division, invited me to their Detroit site to learn about their behavioral safety program. I was there on behalf of the Cambridge Center for Behavioral Studies. It's a not-for-profit whose mission is to reduce human suffering in all its forms with uh, applications of behavioral science. I work for a commission who accredits the best-in-practice behavioral safety programs in the world. You can read about the Michigan Refining Division of Marathon as well as all the other 23 to 30 uh, companies that have been accredited on behavior.org. Anyway, went to Detroit. We were met at the gate by an hourly employee. Once we were there, we interviewed members of what they called their circle of safety team. The circle of safety were all employees. In fact, it wasn't just the employees, it was all their contractors as well. We saw how they managed their program how they led a large number of, of safety representatives from Marathon and their contractors, how they use their data, their observation data, to, to shape their training, and how they interacted with the site leadership to direct attention and resources. When I was there, I saw true ownership. And, and I came to find out that this was a Teamsters union workforce. Now, while some unions advise against behavioral safety to their members, this outpost of the Teamster were not only advocates, they were owning it. It was their car, and they got pissed when anything threatened it, and they took action. The circle of safety teamed with management to bring to bear the resources and hundreds of hours of effort to succeed together under any circumstances. It was their car, so they made it work. They worked with their leaders to grow it, and they waxed it up real well because they were proud of it just like a fine Detroit-made Mustang. This podcast is a production of safetydoc.com and is copyrighted by Timothy Ludwig, Ph.D., all rights reserved. For those small doses of inspiration, visit safetydoc.com. If you would like Dr. Ludwig to speak at your corporate or society safety function, simply use the contact link on safetydoc.com. Thanks for listening.